0: Oh no! Oh no! You're not getting away with that. Good morning. morning. That's better. It is. You walked in in sunshine. It's an amazing thing in upstate New York. Uh, One of the things I just want to to uh, make sure that everybody heard because of all the clap for uh, Mark, there was also another birthday. Bob Adams, right back here. You guys were so exuberant in your celebration of Mark that we didn't hear Bob, but we wanted to celebrate him too. We, we want to celebrate everybody's birthday, but you know if we went through each, each week, every birthday or every anniversary, we wouldn't get to the word. So we just do the ones, and if you're going to be with us and share your birthday with us, we'll celebrate your birthday that day. But uh, you know it's, it's an amazing thing when we have the opportunity to hear from God. It is. I mean, this is the creator of the universe. He wants to be able to communicate with you. He wants to be able to share himself and his wisdom and all his attributes with us so that we can become what he intended us to become that is impossible without a clear, continuous connection with God. You know, Jesus came to give us what? Life and life more abundant. Without Him, we wouldn't have that. We could try as much as we want, and we would never thrive in this world without God. We'd only be able, if possible, to survive and not do that very well. But God has an abundance for us. Just like you, you heard from Eric today about the, the Scripture that God wants to pour back into you till it overflows, God's an overflowing God. He overflows with life. He overflows with joy. He overflows with peace. He overflows with everything. And, and we ought to be thankful for that because he overflows with love and mercy, which we all need all the time. And, and if we're going to reveal who the unseen God is, just like Jesus, when Jesus' disciples said, uh, show us the Father. He said, what? What? I've been so long with you. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Jesus rose from the dead, went back to be seated at the right hand of the Father, sent, he and his Father sent Holy Spirit to live in us so that again, the unseen God would be revealed in flesh. In you and me. That they would see Christ in us, that the Bible says it's the hope of glory. We're believing that You know, this world is going to be filled, like the Bible says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. And if there's going to be a knowledge of the glory, it means that people are going to become aware of the glory of God. And the way that glory of God is revealed is in and through you and me as believers. As we allow God, the Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, to guide, govern, and guard us, to have his way in us, that we're not living our own life, our own way, which is, without God, it's selfish. It's self-serving. It's sacrificing everybody else for our gain. And yet, when we live a life that God has by the grace of God, in the love of God, for the glory of God, then all of a sudden, we're willing to give ourselves to God and to others so that they would be able to see him and experience him and become aware of him so that they too would come to that place of being drawn to him, loving him, and giving their life to him. And that's why we're still here. If, we, if that wasn't the case, as soon as we got saved, we'd go to the throne room of God for eternity. But God has a work for us. And, and we're supposed to be growing in that work. We've been talking about growing and growing fruitful And one of the things about upstate New York is when when it's winter, it's pretty bleak. You know, the trees are bare except for the evergreens. It's somewhat harsh. Uh, When you get to the springtime, you see things start to come alive again. When Debbie and I lived in California, every time we flew back to upstate New York, we were just amazed. We flew back not in the winter, we flew back in the summer to see how green it is. And today, as I drive everywhere, I am amazed that when I would drive through areas in the winter, I could see long distances. Now I can only see short distances because of the, the growth, the, the, the development of, of the trees and the plants and the grasses. And it's amazing. And it's just life springing forth. And that's what God has for us. God has for life to spring forth in us that it would impact all the people around us, that they would become aware of something different that's in you. And it's really not something, it's someone. It's, it's the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the spirit of grace that empowers us and imparts to us all that heaven has to offer so that we can live in this world, not being of this world, being in this world, but overwhelmingly more than conquerors. Amen? Amen. And today we're, we're going to continue in this about growing and being fruitful. Um, the, the key scripture that we use to begin this with is John chapter 15, verse 8 and 16, where we see the importance to Jesus, to the Father, and if it's important to Jesus, it's, if it's important to the Father, it ought to be really important to us. On the level of, of importance, it ought to be at the top and yet there are so many things every day that are trying to get to the top of our list of importance aren't there i mean it's a battle to keep the the one thing the first thing the first thing and and what is the first thing to be in our lives yeah it's supposed to be god it's supposed to be the lord Nothing, no one has done for you and me what he has done and what he is doing and what he will do. And the moment we shift and let something else become a priority over God, things become out of order. And when things become out of order, things don't work well. Right? And we wonder, we wonder, why why are things so hard? The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. When we transgress, when we go crosswise to what God says, it's just like what happened with Adam and Eve. After they sinned, God said to them, by the sweat of your brow, you'll till the earth. Do you know that they never sweat before, before sin came in? Do you know that, that sweat's an indication of our own effort? And God never intended it to be by our own effort. It's not by our might or by our powers, it's by his spirit. And so much so, it reminds God of the sin and our own effort. He said, All the priests that are going to minister in, in the tabernacle or the temple, they have to be clothed in linen. Well, why linen? Because they wouldn't sweat. God doesn't want this to be you and me sweating this out. We, this should be no sweat. When somebody says it's no sweat, what's it mean? Easy, Easy it's doable. It's going to happen. I want you to know with God, it's no sweat. God's faithful. God's powerful. God's all wise. God's all loving. It's no sweat. We, we need to come and rest in God. But in resting in God, we need to be willing and obedient to whatever God has told us to do, because as we do, we're just aligning with God. Jesus said, "If you're weary and tired and heavy burden, come to me, I will give you rest. and He'll give us rest. We'll be yoked with Him. He does. He does the big part. We just walk with Him. And today, I don't know who this is for." But if, you're, if you are struggling and toiling and, and stressed beyond measure, God wants you to enter into the rest. The Bible talks about the rest of faith. And, and faith's focus is the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Enter into the rest of faith. Enter into the rest, the trust, the dependence, the reliance on the word. Jesus is the word made flesh that dwell among us. I just want to pray right now. If you just bow your heads. If you're here this morning and you are struggling, God doesn't want you to struggle. He's never ever desired you to struggle. We struggle when we try and do things apart from God. What God does want and has always desired is that you would snuggle. Now that may be a foreign thought to you, that you could snuggle with God. But that's why Jesus said, come, come to me. The Father wants you to come right now and drop all your cares with him. Cast all your care upon him. You can't be focused on your care or what somebody's done to you. Look, if you're gonna hold unforgiveness in your heart for what somebody's done to you, I want you to know you're the one in prison. And the Bible says, as you sow, you'll reap. And if you're holding on to unforgiveness, you're going to reap unforgiveness. And today you need to let it go. Jesus said, the, the word of God says that we're to forgive others as God in Christ has forgiven us. How did he do that before we ever asked? Release it. Release it right now. Because that is destroying your life. It's hindering you and it's causing you to be stuck. And so today, come to God, snuggle, let go of all the unforgiveness, let go of all the cares, let go of all the worries. He he cares more for you than he does the birds of the air, the grass of the field, and the scripture says, look at how he's dealt with all these things. He's fed the birds. He clothes the grass with beauty and majesty, and he cares for you much more. Let him Let him be your all in all. Father, right now we come to you and we cast all our care upon you. Father, we are so grateful for the mercy you've shown us, the forgiveness you've shown us, the love that you show us. And we're, we're today going to be merciful as you are merciful, forgiving as you are forgiving, loving as you are loving, because we are followers. We're supposed to embody who you are so that the world will see you in us. And so right now, Father, we thank you for the cares and the concerns just falling at your feet. We thank you for the exchange, beauty for ashes, joy for sadness and sorrow. Father, we thank you for peace and hope. Father, we thank you for life flowing again and refreshing and renewing. Because you're here. You're always wherever we are. And today, Father, we look to you and we request of you to impart to us what only you can give. To cause us to go from glory to glory. To empower and impart to us the ability to be overwhelmingly more than conquerors in all things. And we thank you, Father, for the good work that you've begun in us, that you are faithful to complete. Because you are at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. So again, back to these, these scriptures that Jesus spoke, it's revealing the priority and the prominence of fruitfulness. God expects it. God expects fruitfulness from every one of our lives. And it's not a new, new idea or a new concept that he's just bringing into us. In the beginning, God created the earth. And every time he would create, he would create the birds and the fish and, and man. And he would say, be fruitful. There's a mandate in the scripture in Genesis that as long as the earth remains. Is it still remaining? Yeah. Yeah. He said there'd be cold and heat, winter and summer, seed time and harvest. It's talking about fruitfulness. There's always going to be fruitfulness. There's going to be, when it's winter here, it's summer in another part of the earth. There's always fruit that's being produced in the earth. There's never a time that fruit has stopped. Because fruit is important to God. And it's not just the stuff that hangs on the trees. When Jesus talks about when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings glory to my Father. This fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the good works that you are created. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto all good works. These good works are fruit. The Bible says when people see your good works, they'll glorify your Father in heaven. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of good works. It's the fruit of righteousness that causes people to be drawn, they think, towards us, but it's really towards Christ in us. And and this is what glorifies the Father. Every one of us as kids, children of the Most High God, should be bringing glory to Him in everything we do. Now, none of us are there. But we should all desire to be gaining on that, that as time goes on, we're not just doing the same thing the way we've always done it. You know, in this church, we've gone through and we continue in reboot, where we're always evaluating what's going on. You should be evaluating, not just in December or January, what's going on in your life. There should be a weekly evaluation. How did that go, God? And, and then we get rid of the things that we're not continuing to do. We shouldn't do. God lets us know that's not anything more I want you to do. And we should continue to do and, and uh, strengthen what God still has for us to do and make adjustments in the things we get off track with because we get off track. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know you don't want to admit that, but if you don't admit it, you're going to commit it. And so we've got to admit, you know, we get off track. We spend a lot of time in things that we shouldn't spend our time in. I told you last week, I got on a social platform and, and uh, it was, it was um, oh, I can't think of the name of it now. It wasn't Twitter. It wasn't Facebook. Instagram. Instagram. No. Yes. I don't know what it was, but I was looking at all sorts of videos and things, and it was like crazy stuff people were doing, and then cute things, and, and it was like before I knew it, I was an hour and a half into this stuff. I wasted. Oh, it wasn't a waste. You were entertained. I wasted an hour and a half that I could have put to better use. And how much of our time, you know, we're accountable for our time. God knows how many days you have. He's got your days numbered. My days numbered. And we're going to give an account for everything. For our days, what we did. For the gifts he's given us. For the opportunities we had. And and I want, I want to hear. I believe you want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. The only way I'm going to be good or faithful is I've done what he wanted. And he's not looking for perfection because he knows in this guy, he's not going to get it. But he is looking for growth. Because in this guy, he can expect it because I should grow. I should always be growing. And so this is talking about this fruit that that number one proves we're true disciples of the Lord. Without fruit, we can't prove it. Maybe we whip out a business card and say, see, I'm a Christian. Or we show them our cross or our bumper sticker. If they have to see a cross or a bumper sticker or see us carrying a Bible to know that we're a Christian, then we're not bearing the fruit that God has for us. And it also says, this brings great glory to the Father. Then he goes on to say, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you. And we talked about this where appointed is ordained. He ordained you, he set you apart for a very special purpose that he has for you, not that anybody else has for you, to go and produce lasting fruit. So both of these scriptures indicate the priority and the prominence of fruit that should be in our lives. And if you haven't been considering how fruitful my life is, you need to. You really need to consider how fruitful is my life. When last week Jeremy shared about what he and Reese did in the restaurant, and was able to change, impact another person's life by asking them, is there anything we can pray for and ask God for for you? How hard is that? Come on, tell me. Is it hard? It's really not, but I know we sit there and we say, yeah, it's, it's really tough because I don't know what the reaction's going to be. Well, let me explain something. The reaction isn't as important as God's pleasure. Unless you make it that important. And so in that moment, they were able to show the love of God, the care of God, the concern of God, the interest of God to somebody who may not have known God and awaken them in that moment to, oh, my gosh, God cares. Changed her day because she didn't want to go to that table because of how the people previously treated her, and saw a totally different experience. You and I are supposed to be impacting the people around us. And, And part of it is by the fruit that we bear, the kindness, the consideration, the patience, the generosity. And it doesn't happen just on Sunday. It would be great if it happened completely on Sunday, but it doesn't even completely happen on Sunday but it should be happening every day and we should be growing in this. And, and again, this is so important and we've been looking at these things and learning about these things and, and the result, Eric shared this morning about the benefits of being obedient. In Psalm chapter one, we looked at this, but I just wanted to reconnect with it. Where in Psalm chapter one, verse one through three, it says this in the living Bible. Oh, the joys... All right? Other translations say blessed. And in the Amplified, the word blessed is is defined as happy, fortunate, prosperous, enviable. Everything everybody wants. The joys of those who do not follow evil men's advice and do not hang around with sinners scoffing at the things of God, but they delight in doing everything God wants them to do. Oh, my gosh, i got to do everything God wants me to do. Do you know why God wants you to do it? Because your life is going to be able to experience the abundant overflow of life, The, the prosperity, spirit, soul, body, financially, relationally, the peace, the joy, all of those things. Delighted doing everything God wants them to do And day and night, they're always meditating on his laws and thinking about ways to follow him more closely. We're going to follow somebody. The Bible says you can't serve two masters, but you will serve one. And unless we pick that master, that master is going to pick us. And God wants to be our master because he knows what's best for us. But if we don't pick God because he'll never force his way on us, the enemy or somebody else will choose to be our master. There are a lot of things out there that are mastering people's lives, like drugs, like anger. You name it, there are unlimited things that want to master our life, want to impact our lives, control our lives. And all the things out there, except for God, are going to draw, take away from our lives. Only God, when he becomes our master, does he add life to us. All the other ones rob life from us. And that's why it's so important that we be about, concerned about what God wants us to do. Because when God tells us to do something, it is for our benefit and for others' benefit. Then it goes on to say, they are like trees along the riverbank bearing luscious fruit each season without fail. Their leaves shall never wither and they, all they do shall prosper. Again, this is, this is the benefit of us following God, of us doing what God has for us to do. And last week we looked in Mark chapter 4 uh, at four different types of ground. Because we had seen a parable that Jesus had taught about a fig tree that didn't bear any fruit. And the answer to that fig tree possibly bearing fruit was to do something with the ground, to dig around it, to fertilize it. And, and then we went on to see Jesus taught again in Mark chapter 4 about four types of ground. The first ground was a pathway ground. And it talks about how the sower sowed the seed. The seed is the word of God. The word of God is covering the earth. Do you you realize that? Like never before the word of God is getting into places it had never gotten to before. And what's happening is we're finding out there are different types of ground and that ground represents people. The word of God is being sown just like here today. Just like churches all across the world today. The word of God is being sown. And in an area like this, There are different types of people. Different conditions of their heart. And the first one was pathway or hard ground. It says, he sowed the word and the word sat on top and the birds came to take it away or Satan came immediately to take it away. There was no impact. There was no penetration. There was no growth. No fruit. Now, this is where I get in trouble because there are times I'll say, do you remember when I taught? And, and even I, somebody will say, do you remember when you taught? And I'd be like, no. But I don't want to be a person that the word of God doesn't penetrate. I need the word of God. I don't need more information. The world I live in, the world you live in, wants you to be overwhelmed with the information that comes to you. Because if they can overwhelm you with the information that comes to you, nothing will be retained by you. But I will tell you of all the things that come to us daily or weekly, the most important thing is the Word of God. The psalmist said, I hid your word in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you. You know, our our ability to resist sin is directly related to our willingness to submit to God, to his word. That's what James says. Submit yourself, therefore, to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. You and I can't resist the enemy until we've submitted to God. Well, how do you submit to God? You submit to his word. You find out what the Word says, and then you do what the Word says. Because if we're hearers of the Word and not doers, we deceive ourselves. That's what the Scripture says. Well, I don't deceive myself, but I'm not doing everything I hear. Well, there's a gap there in all of our lives. That gap is what the enemy exploits, what he gets into. And it causes us to be overwhelmed. The second, that pathway we talked about, the type of Christian is casual or complacent. Another another term for that is lukewarm. Anybody remember what it says in the book of Revelation about lukewarm Christians that God wanted to do? He wanted to vomit them out of his mouth. He said, I'd rather have you be hot or cold, but not lukewarm. If if the enemy can get the church, the body of Christ, the believers into lukewarmness, casual Christians, complacent Christians, then the word of God will never get in and do the transformational work that God intended it to do. And unfortunately, this is happening in our our society and in our world. The second ground was stony ground. It's where they had a veneer, a thin layer of good ground. The hardness had been broken up, so the ground was good enough. When the seed was sown, it began to to grow roots. But the sun came up, and it wasn't deep enough. There wasn't enough depth because it was hard below it. There was just a little bit that was broken up. And it says that it died off because of the sun and and Jesus explained this and said that these are the Christians that re, these are people that receive the word with joy they're real happy about it they're excited about it they're emotional about it but when persecution when persecution and trouble come for the word's sake you know the enemy's going to stir up trouble to try and get the word from you Not just to hurt you, he wants to rob you of the word that fortifies you and empowers you to be who God has for you to be. And then it says, once that comes, they become immediately offended they become displeased, indignant, and resentful. This happens when people get the word. They're excited about the word. They hear about the word. Oh, my gosh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, can, can, can I have what God has for me? But it doesn't happen right the way they want it. Just the way they want it, when they want it. And, and they become upset with God. They become offended. And it says they fall away. They stumble and fall away. That, that, that fall away... Is the word apostasy. The Bible tells us before the return of the Lord, there's going to be a great apostasy, a great falling away of Christians from the faith. It's not coming, it's already here. It's happening all around us and it may be happening with you. Then there's the thorns, where it was actually the ground itself was good ground. But what happened was it was no different than the ground that bore 30, 60, and 100-fold. But that that good ground, somebody didn't guard it. And so thorns and weeds were allowed to be sown in that good ground. And we all know if you sow seed, good seed, and you sow weeds, the weeds are going to grow quicker. And that's what happened in this ground. The weeds grew up, and they choked out and suffocated the word and became unfruitful. And, and what does it say those thorns and those weeds were that choked out the word? It tells us there are four, four sources of these thorns and weeds that choke out the word. The world, the cares and anxieties of the world. If you are anxious and, and stressed about everything everybody else in the world is stressed about. And I'm telling you, there is a, a, a move on to get you so stressed out, you'll shut down. But that chokes the word out. It chokes the word out. And then, then it talks about the distractions of the age. Just like I was sitting and looking at these videos and and this these cute things, I was distracted. There was nothing good. Oh, well, you enjoyed it, didn't you? I was amused. I was entertained. But I wasn't enlarged. I didn't grow. And I want to grow. There's time is too short. to be wasting time. It's always too short to waste. So the distractions of the age. And then it talks about riches, the pleasure, the false glamour, and the deception of riches. These are all the things that grow up in our lives. The false glamour, we think if I just had enough money, things would be easy, it would be good. I want you to know, look at people who have a lot of money. A lot of people that have a lot of money are not real happy because they don't have the money, the money has them. There's a difference. Money is a great tool. It's a terrible master. Again, like any master other than Jesus, it will rob your life of joy and of peace, of all the things that only God can give us. And then the last one was cravings and passionate desire for other things. These are the things that grow up in our lives because we let them. We're watching all sorts of things. We're listening to all sorts of things. We're reading all sorts of things and all that stuff. We're not guarding our hearts. The Bible says, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. So a heart that's good ground will grow weeds better than it will grow seeds. And it says they grew up with the seeds and the word became unfruitful or fruitless because they crept in. And then there was good ground. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. It says, But those last seeds, those sown in good soil, those people hear the word, accept it, meditate on it, act on it, and bear fruit. A crop 30, 60, and 100 times larger Then the farmer dropped to the earth. Now, when we read that, all I can tell you is about me. I see that there is a variety of production there, right? 30, 60, or 100 times. And it's producing something that's good, something that's valuable, something that's desirable, both to God and should be to us and to others, this fruit that draws people to God. How many of you want just the 30? Your life to be a 30 time production? Oh, okay. How many for 60? Really? What do you want? A hundred? Really? A hundred? That's not possible. If God's word says it, is it possible? Some of you aren't sure. I'm going to tell you, if God said it, it's possible. But it's only possible God's way. But I'll tell you right now, we need to realize where we are. Are our, our, our lives producing 30-fold fruit, 30 times the fruit. Are our lives producing 60 times? Because if we want to get to 100, we better start and know where we're starting. Because we all start at the same place. No fruit. No fruit. Until Christ comes into our life, until we receive Jesus as Lord, there is no true, eternal, lasting fruit like Jesus said, I appointed you and ordained you to bear. Because with him, it's temporary. It's like the fruit on my grandmother's table. My grandmother used to have this bowl in the center of her dining room table with amazing fruit. Every time we would go there, I was always tempted to grab it and eat it. And she'd say, No, no, get the fruit out of the refrigerator. Okay, Grandma, I'll get the fruit. And then one day, she wasn't around, and I grabbed one of the grapes stuck it in my mouth. I was so concerned she was going to come around this corner. I popped it in my mouth real quick, and I bit down on it, and it was a rubber ball that was, was empty inside. And when I did, it created a vacuum and stuck to the inside of my cheek. My grandma came around the corner, and she was like, what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> now, I knew it was rubber at that point. I didn't know before because it looked so good. It didn't taste good. It didn't feel good. And there was no way on God's green earth I was going to swallow that thing. But I also didn't want to spit it out in front of my grandma. And so I waited and waited with this thing stuck to the inside of my cheek. And I finally went to the bathroom. Didn't have to go, but I went to the bathroom. And I'm pulling this thing off my cheek. I pulled it off my cheek, and now I've got this thing sticking out from the side of my cheek. And you know when you've got something in your mouth that's not what usually is in your mouth, your tongue always goes there? Well, my tongue was going there, and I'm... My grandma was, what's what's wrong with your cheek? Now I'm going to (laughs) lie. Nothing. But I learned a lesson... It looked good. It's what I thought I wanted, but it wasn't real. Didn't produce anything good. And and it wasn't real fruit. And there is stuff we do, but it's not originating in God, and it's not real fruit because it has an endpoint. How good is God? Yeah, he's good all the time. He's good in everything. And that's where we need to connect with him to have that flow from him that is the source of this fruit so that we aren't trying to produce it on our own, working ourselves into a sweat. Because it's only by the sweat of our brow we're going to produce. And what happens when we get so tired, we just quit. And so does the production. When we do it God's way, we're producing fruit in every season. In every season. This good ground. This good ground was was ground that had been cleared but had been protected. The thorns, the weeds weren't allowed to be sowed. You've got to be selective in what you hear. What you watch. Who you hang out with. What you do. And you need to evaluate, is this sowing good seed or is this sowing thorns? I'm telling you right now, it's it's amazing. You watch a lot of the the TV shows today, and there's a lot of inferences of what they think is right that the Bible says is not right, what they're... in. Encouraging you and me as Christians to celebrate that God can't celebrate because it's not life giving, it's life robbing. We're in this world, we can't be of this world and help save this world 30, 60, or 100 times because they accept it, they hear it, they accept it, they meditate on it, they act on it. All those characteristics are very important. And now we're going to go to a portion of Scripture that we're going to spend some time in. Not today, but we're going to be spending time in this. Not next week, because Stuart and Chantal Winograd, Rabbi Stuart, is coming. You need to be here. Hear what's going on. He's got a word from the Lord for us. He's also got a report of what's going on in the Ukraine and other areas of the world that we support them in their ministry in. It, it, it's 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 going to be amazing. But in in... Looking at this, 30, 60, and 100-fold, we've got to get this. And the way we get this is by looking at another teaching Jesus did. But we're going to go to the last part of what we're going to be viewing. And it's in John chapter 15. Isn't that amazing? We've already been in John. But we're going back to verse 11. All right? Verse 11 in John chapter 15 in the Amplified, Jesus says... I have told you these things that my joy and my delight may be in you and that your joy and gladness may be full measure and complete and overflowing. There we have the overflowing again. That's God. That's your God. God doesn't just want to give you a little bit. He wants to give you overflowing because he wants you to have more than enough to fulfill your life and for you to begin to fill other people's lives. Because God says it's more blessed to give than receive. But we have this tension of, if I give it, am I going to have it? And you've got to know if God's given it to you and you give it away as you sow, you'll reap and he'll have it good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Overflowing God. Your God is an overflowing God. Jesus didn't come to give life. Jesus came to give life and life more abundant, overflowing life. And so, right here, he's told them these things that precede what we're going to be studying out, so that his joy would be in them. Now, can anybody tell me about what the Lord's joy does? Thank you. Nehemiah eight ten says, "The joy of the Lord." Isn't this what Jesus said? My joy. Isn't it His joy? Are we on the same page? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I need strength beyond my ability to have strength every day. And this says, Jesus said, these things I've said to you so that my joy, the joy that will give you strength, may be in you. Your joy will be full And complete and overflowing. That means that when we face whatever we face, and none of us know what we're going to face, but God does. God's already ahead of you in your future. God is preparing and providing for you what you're going to need when you face what you didn't know you were going to face. Oh, that was good. If you would take that away from here today and know that God is already prepared and providing for you what you need when you face what you didn't know you were going to face but he did, you'll never freak out at another thing that you face. That would take a lot of stress out of a lot of people's lives, wouldn't it? If the next time you face something and and you just acknowledge that, you know what, I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't want this to happen. I don't deserve this happening. But it doesn't matter. God knows it. God's prepared. God's provided. Okay, Lord, what do I need to do? And, and whatever it is, God's got this, this joy, this strength, this, this hope, this confident expectation of good when all hell is breaking loose. All heaven is available. You and I are living in a world that's getting worse and worse and worse. And we should be coming more confident than ever before. We should be less shaken, less stressed, less full of care and fear than ever before because our God is with us. Our God will supply all our needs. According to the economy. Well, you would think that's what it's according to, the way we act sometimes. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if the gas gets to $1,000 a gallon. Maybe it doesn't matter to you, it matters to me. (laughs) Yeah, it matters to me, but I know God's going to make a way. Maybe I don't have to drive as much as I thought I did. Maybe I don't have to drive at all. Maybe I just need to get a bicycle. I got a bicycle. Maybe I ought to just use it. I mean, really, what, what excuse do we have around here? It's not like you're riding on major highways. You could ride a bicycle to all the things you need and get little baskets for the side to put your groceries in. Uh, just a thought. I know, it's like, I'm not thinking that. Okay. All right. But Jesus told them these things so that they'd have the strength they needed. Do you know when this was? That that he said this? This that we're going to be studying was said to the disciples in the last time they would have any peace. The quietest time right after the Lord's Supper, the the Passover meal they ate in the upper room. And what preceded this, Jesus had been telling them, you know what, my kingdom's coming, but I'm I'm gonna be going. What do you mean you're going? You're you're gonna take over for the Romans. Romans. No, I'm not doing it that way. I'm I'm going to go through some very difficult and demanding things. And and that's where, you know, he he was sharing things with them. He's in the upper room. He's washing their feet. He's saying to them, you know, this this is an example you all should be doing. You should humble yourself. You should care and look out to take care of others and serve them. He identifies Judas as his betrayer. Judas leaves. And then in chapter 14, oh, he predicts Peter's denial. In chapter 14 of John, this is right during the Last Supper. He he teaches some things. In John chapter 1, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he's saying this because they're getting really anxious, they're getting really nervous, they're getting really disturbed and upset about the fact that he's saying, I'm gonna go. And then then he goes down, dropping down to verse 18. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Because they're panicking. Man, this guy they've been following through three years has said, I'm not going to be with you. I'm going to be going to my father. What do you mean you're not going to be with us? What do you mean you're not going to take over for the Romans? What do you mean? The bottom has dropped out of what they had expected. Their stress level is through the roof. They're not liking what they hear. It's just like sometimes we don't like what we hear. And yet God's telling us the truth. We need to hear it. Then Jesus said in in verse 23, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. So now he's telling them, listen, just do my word. If you do the word, you love me. That's where Christians, we, you know, there's, there's a group of Christians that are going to stand before the Lord when we go to see him. And they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things? Didn't we, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do these mighty wonders? And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you because they weren't doing his word. They were doing what they wanted to do the way they wanted to do it without being directed by God. These are works of lawlessness. Just I do what I want to do. There is no place, listen to me, Christian, there is no place in any of our lives to do what we want to do. If Jesus is Lord and that is master, we're here to do what he wants to do just like he showed us from his father. I have come to do the will of my Father. I do everything that pleases my Father. Yeah, but that sounds like I'm not going to have any fun. I want you to know, you were created to do the will of the Father. You're going to find the most fulfillment in your life. Not in all these wonderful things that that you get this momentary burst of joy from. You're going to get an abiding joy, an abiding peace. It's It's something that just solidifies and energizes you like nothing else. And they said, well, come and make our home. I want you to remember this. That word home means abode. They're going to settle down, never leave. And that's what happens in our lives. And then, then we look down a little farther in this passage and we see in verse 27 It says, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. Again, he's trying to comfort them. He's trying to prepare them. He's trying to let them know it's going to be all right. It's not going to look all right. It's not going to feel all right. It's not going to sound all right. Everybody else is going to tell you it's not all right. But I'm telling you, trust me, don't be afraid. Those are words for us in the days we live in. Don't be afraid. And then in verse 30, he said, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me, but that he, the world would know that I love the father and the father gave me commandment. So I do arise, let us go from here. So they get up out of the upper room. They start to walk through Jerusalem at night. This is when anybody remember what's, what's the, what's the festival they're there for. Passover, I want you to know, Passover always is celebrated with a full moon. All right? So they're walking through the moonlit streets of Jerusalem. They're walking by the temple and they head to the Kidron Valley, the valley between Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. Where are they going? Where does Jesus go from the upper room? He goes to pray. Where's he going to pray? the Garden of Gethsemane, which is on the Mount of Olives. But as he walks through, as he and the disciples walk through the Kidron Valley, they're walking through a vineyard. There are vines everywhere. In the moonlit night, as they walk past Temple Mount, they can see on the doors a golden vine, carved vine. In the moonlight, they're walking through these vineyards on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, on the way to the cross. And in John chapter 15, he pauses in his walk through the Kidron Valley. It's quiet. It's peaceful. Except for the hearts of the disciples. They're just, what's going on? And he teaches them. He takes a moment to teach them. And in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, and I'm just going to read through this, I'm asking you, please, between now and two Sundays from now, I ask you to read this portion of Scripture. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 11. And Jesus said, I am the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. You already are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me. It abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do what? Without me you can do what? Without him, we can do what? All right. Jesus said it. We better believe it because there's a price to pay if we don't. We're going to deceive ourselves. We're going to fall far short of what God has, has intended for us. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Ooh, that's scary, isn't it? He said... I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now we're reading that they're gathering branches and throwing them in the fire. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and shall be done for you. How many of you want to be able to ask God for things and you know you're going to get what God has for you? I'm telling you, I don't want to waste time in prayer. I want to know my prayers count. This is going to help us. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, I just want to quickly, before I release you today, I want to tell you that this corresponds very, very directly with Mark chapter 4, verse 20, where there was the three preceding types of soil had no fruit ultimately produced the last one had 30 60 and 100 this will this will show us how do we get to the place of 30 or bearing fruit because it says there was no fruit and then there was fruit and then there was more fruit and then there was much fruit 30 more some fruit 30 more 60 much fruit which means everything hundredfold. But we have to understand this is a key to helping us recognize what what God has to do, what we have to allow God to do, and what we need to do in our lives for us to bear fruit so that we glorify the Father, bring great glory to His name, that we prove that we're true disciples of Jesus, because if we don't have fruit, nobody's going to know. And there are a lot of closet Christians. There are a lot of fruitless Christians. And in the days we live in, there needs to be fruit. Fruit for God's glory. Fruit for the blessing of people around us in the body of Christ. Fruit to draw people from the world into the kingdom. I have been praying, I am praying that this would be one of those messages, because it, 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 it needs to be a message that we continue to go back to, to check where are we, where am I, what's going on, what's God doing. Because we'll see what God does to help us bear fruit, because God always wants us to bear fruit. It's his mandate, it's his plan, and it's our privilege to be fruit bearers bringing glory to our Father and revealing the Son, like every head bowed every eye closed. The only way that happens is God has his way. We allow him to have his way, but it it doesn't happen just because we go to church. It doesn't happen just because we read our Bible. It doesn't happen just because we pray. It, It doesn't happen just because we do good works. It happens because God is allowed to be God in our life. It begins with a relationship where we turn our backs on how we did life before, where we ran our life or somebody else did, and we turn to Christ and we entrust him with our life. We repent, we turn around, and we recognize and receive Jesus as our Lord who died for our sins on the cross and was raised from the dead who got complete victory and is offering us that victory. We can't have it without him. Oh, yeah, we'll have little wins here and there, but we won't be able to walk in the victory, in the joy, in the peace, in the prosperity that God has for us day in and day out. And some days it's not as readily seen, but it's still there. If you're here and you've never trusted in the Lord, you've never turned to Christ and received him as your Lord, you've never repented of your sin, I want to pray with you today. And if that's you, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I do want you to acknowledge that. Before God, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Then I trust everybody has... Because you've done that, there is the potential and the possibility of you experiencing this absolutely amazing abundant life where fruit is being produced in your life because you're doing what God said. You're allowing him to guide you, to govern you, to guard you. And if you know that you aren't producing the fruit that God so wants, that God so expects, And you want, you want to glorify the Father. You want to show that you're a true disciple of Jesus. If that's what you want today, then let God know, that's what I want. I want to make, I want to make the change. I want to make the adjustment. The realignment. And Father, right now I pray for all of us. I pray for all of us that we would recognize that there are areas of our lives that we could be more fruitful in that maybe we've got a patch of of thorny ground or stony ground or hard ground in our lives. And and Father, help us to to till up that soil. Help us to cultivate it. Help us to guard the soil of our hearts. Help us to be really willing and, and ready and desiring your work in our lives that isn't always comfortable but it's always beneficial. It isn't always easy, but it is always best. Father, help us to desire you and your will and your way in our lives more than anything else. Father, I come against the false God of comfort and convenience in our world that we would not fall prey to that influence, but Father, we would. We wouldn't be campers, Christian campers anymore. We're just kind of camping out. We'd be climbers going from glory to glory. We thank you, Father, for this good work. That you've begun, that you'll complete. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, would you stand?